I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get two? We got legal on this? Yeah, I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Monday morning, post-NFL Combine, we're back in the Western and Southern studio. Sam Monson here, Mike Renner, for another couple of days until Steve drags his ass back from the Sloan Analytics Conference, which is where he currently is posted up. How's it going, Mike? Doing great. Did Steve debut the model there? Is that why he's there? I, I don't know if he debuted the model. I'm sure whether or not it was on stage, mm -hmm. I'm sure the model was given plenty of, you know... Or was Sloan... Basically, just Steve's model this year. That was like the purpose of Sloan. No, was he was he was very much just a part of the panel that I watched. Yeah. But I would imagine, like behind the scenes, you know, off stage, he's it's he's the showing them the Excel Sloan. spreadsheet, like every mm -hmm. opportunity he gets, <laughs> presumably on the iPad. You know, look, we can scroll through here. We can I can improve everything by eighty yeah. percent. I think that's I think that was the sales pitch, basically, for the days surrounding his actual appearance on the panel. It's gonna um, blow up. It's gonna blow up now. How was the uh, How was the combine for you? Combine was great. Um, a lot of data to pour over. I was up till like 3 a.m. yesterday because I was so hopped up on caffeine from the weekend. <laughs> I think I burst a blood vessel in my eye. I don't know if you can see it. It's oh, like nice, all yeah. red like right uh -huh. there. Yeah. Um, but that, that, so the post-combine wasn't the ideal, but the combine itself is a good time. I was thinking watching last night from the couch, you know, can you imagine still being there? Like day seven, still <laughs> no. grinding, waiting for the last running back drills in the stands up at Indy there? No. That would have been rough. Yeah. You Thank know. God we were not one of those. I had I enjoyed myself on the couch watching yeah. all the drills. You definitely hit hit a wall mm -hmm. late in the week and you need you need out. Hats off to DJ and anyone announcing there. That that had to be quite quite the marathon. Rich Eisen, I think, managed to get through the entire week without paying for a drink or a meal. I think that was the streak he was going for. So oh, nice. yeah. kudos to Rich. <laughs> um, he also, I think, beat somebody in the 40 for the first time ever, right? Well, the, someone fell, right? Yes. Yeah. That's why. Okay. But look, a win is a win, Mike. You take them where you can get them when you run a 4-6 yeah. flat. You take the dubs where they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rich didn't need it. Man could have <laughs> hit, the, hit the dirt Split on the any one of those 40s, and he yeah. hasn't yet. That so. is actually impressive that no hamstring, no quad has been just obliterated has he has he pulled something once am i making that up well you're right that's it's not a bad run for a guy that you know doesn't seem to be in the the peak of physical fitness at no. this point in his life and he's and he's getting up there because he was the og nfl network i, I remember right back in the when wow you know how old he is he's way younger than i would have expected he's got to be 50 now though right he's only 53 though okay yeah i would have said like 60 <sighs> harsh I mean, just like, just because he's so like, bald. just because he's what been, it is, right? well, no, just because he's you're just, been, you're anti-bald around my entire about. life, basically. That's true. You know, like he was. Well, how long? How how? Long I just assume if I watched you on TV yeah. as a kid, how long has NFL Network been? You're there? 60 years old. Um, NFL Network started in what? Oh three, oh four. Yeah, he was asked, like day one. Yeah, he that. was. He switched from ESPN. So he's to done NFL that for Network 20 years. For that. So yeah, oh three. I'm actually on Rich Eisen's page right now. It was 2003. Right. June. So literally 20 years of that. So yeah, it's a pretty good going for for old Rich. He's also, by the way, I mean, without making this the Rich Eisen show, he already has one of those. He's stupidly good at that stuff. Mm -hmm. Particularly the combine where, theoretically, 
it's kind of a dull affair, just in conceptual terms, right? It's two guys sitting there commenting on a bunch of drills, mm -hmm. some of which are pretty boring. He's so good at being able to make that entertaining and interesting and talking to people. And, like, the dude, like, he's, he's so good at that yes. stuff. Yes. I mean, the fact that they pegged him to be there, like, he was, like, the anchor right. of NFL Network when it debuted. He was, like, the personality. And that hit it so hard out the park with that hire. Um, you know, hats off to whoever made that decision at NFL Network because, yeah, Rich Eisen's one of the best ever. Okay, before we get into it, the uh, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. You can see the plaque on the wall. You can also see, by the way, our fancy new sign down here on the desk. We have had it upgraded to reflect the new PFF logo, the latest PFF logo. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. That's westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. All right, Mike, we're going to be talking winners and losers from the combine. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to start off with some defense. We talked a little bit about this because the last show we had was after the first day of the drills. So I don't want to spend too long on the defensive side of stuff because we've kind of talked about it already. But let's run through quickly. Defensive linemen, who are your winners and losers from the combine? Yeah, I want to preface by saying this is winners and losers. We and I hand out winners and losers this is like versus my expectation. Sure. If you want just the guys who tested out the best, you know, go <laughs> use relative athletic score. Like, go find that. Like, you can go look at the numbers yourselves and really find out who tested the best. But this is like how I felt based on their tape and then who maybe exceeded my expectations based off of that. And then in turn, we'll be rising up to PFF draft board because of it. the guys that I really want to highlight that because you stole two of the guys who I would have also highlighted, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but Adi Tamiwa Adabare, Northwestern DT. I also specifically left him for you so that you would be the guy pronouncing his name, not me. Yeah. So very smart on your part. Thank you. And also um, an all-timer. An absolute all-time combine performance. Truly maybe like the most impressive performance I've ever seen at the combine. I just, I love this particular stat. There's a couple of them from NFL Research that he ran the same 40 time as Tank Dell, who was 165 pounds. Yes. That's he madness. Has, He's 100 pounds heavier. More than 100 pounds heavier. 17 pounds heavier. Yeah, and ran the Tank Dell and ran the exact same 40 time. That's, That's ridiculous. Probably the single craziest 40 time I've ever seen. 449 at... 282. 449. <laughs> and then a 37.5 inch vertical, 10.5 broad jump, 27 bench press reps with almost 34 inch arms. So he is, by any stretch, he's the most explosive defensive tackle testing wise ever. And it's not even particularly close. Like he's Aaron Donald and then some at that size. Yeah. I, I, I just, in awe of those numbers, in like, you see it on tape, but he really doesn't have kind of the – I don't think he was given the freedom, truthfully, at Northwestern to really, like, just win or just really go after quarterbacks. He had to kind of fill his role in that defense. And a lot of times when he did play on the interior at Northwestern, which at that size you're going to play in the NFL. I don't think he's going to stay on the edge, even though that's where he played primarily at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. When he did play in the interior, he was kind of like a placeholder. Like, he would be the guy stunting. He would be the guy slanting. He kind of had to – fill his role he couldn't just beat the guard in front of him is he actually so, the guy is he what you're describing is effectively the the 
excuses that were made for Trayvon Walker a year ago that might not have actually been true for Walker, <laughs> but they might be true for this guy. Like he was captive. He was held captive by the defensive scheme, which essentially asked him to do things that weren't playing to his skill set. Yes. Whereas Trayvon Walker, maybe that was true, but maybe mm-hmm. he also just wasn't great at rushing the passer. Yeah. I, I think that's hundred percent true with Adabare. He's has the twitch to get by guys with that alone, but really just didn't utilize it fully on tape. So very excited to see one where he lands to what he kind of can develop into because that is a athletic profile that you should be able to tap into. The four four nine thing is mind blowing. Like everything else is really impressive. Everything like the whole package is phenomenal. But running like a four four nine is a fast time. Mm-hmm. Like Tank Dell, okay, maybe it's a little bit disappointing for him, but like it's not a bad time at 165 yeah, pounds yeah. for for add another 120 to it to run that is is absolutely absurd unbelievable um same kind of vein i had kalijah kansi in there as a, a yeah. winner just because he was already getting the obvious comps to aaron donald because same size same kind of athleticism coming out of the same school it's just too obvious a comp to make and now he basically posted the exact same numbers as aaron donald across the board it's only going to continue those comps. It's only going to continue to drive his stock higher, I think, because of that obvious precedent that Aaron Donald set, even if, as we've already discussed, like he isn't Aaron Donald. But that's only going to help his draft stock, I think, given yeah. those kind of numbers he put up. And again, if you're small, better be an elite athlete. Right. He's small. Well, he's also an elite athlete. All right. My other winner, it's got to be Lucas Van Ness. Um, on tape, I talked about how he's like a unique player and a unique athlete and just how he plays. And I think he showed that at the combine as well. Like his testing was weird to say the least. Six five two seventy two, thirty four inch arms, eleven inch hands. That's like lab built defensive end frame for the kind of game he plays. A power defensive end. You want long arms. You want big hands. Control blocks. Get on guys. That's his game. So those are box ticking numbers. Great. And then he only had a thirty one inch vertical and nine ten broad jump. Those are like below average numbers, right. I'd say. But then he goes. I believe four five eight in the forty. On the screen it says four six four. I believe that's a typo. It's four five eight. At two hundred seventy two pounds it is an insane time. And that's kind of just with the one six four ten split, another tremendous time. Like his get off is unique for a dude that size. And that's really how he wins. So I think that's a performance that really backs up that the way he plays on tape at Iowa can translate to the NFL. We got some uh, breaking news before we get into the other stuff. Vikings are releasing Eric Hendricks. Oh, I was hoping Rodgers got traded. No, Word. sadly not that breaking news. Um, Eric Hendricks is a guy we talked about as being a potential camp casualty at some point. He's now the wrong side of 30, or is yeah. 30, I guess, which is the wrong side of 30. 31. Um, oh, 31. Yes, the wrong side. He's coming off a bad year. He's now presumably going into a defensive scheme if he'd stayed there that is the polar opposite of the one he was in before and mm-hmm. the one he excelled in. And had a high cap number attached to him as well. A lot of things that were lining up to suggest that they might get rid of a guy like Eric Hendricks. Um, So from that point of view, I think it makes sense. But potentially, he's still one of the better linebackers available in free agency if you get the right scheme and you decide that last year wasn't the start of a you know the end of his career, but actually just a bad season and a bad defense. Yeah, I worry about linebackers on the decline usually because it's similar to running back and just the amount of hits you take that yeah i mean you just you decline physically without any real you, you don't need massive injuries you're just your body's hurt <laughs> you know your body is at that age as a linebacker your body is going south so yeah i would i, I wouldn't 
I would be surprised if he gets anything more than like a throwaway deal in free agency. Yeah, I think it's definitely scary anytime you are that wrong side of 30 and have a bad year. It's like mm-hmm. trying to determine whether that was the start of it, you know, and this is the end, or you just had a bad year. Yeah. Like that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a difficult thing for teams to do. For the Vikings, it's obviously a no-brainer. Like you can... You can just use that as an excuse, therefore, to jettison the guy and go in a different direction. But for another team, trying to determine if this is a potential bargain out here can improve our defense or a guy you don't want to bring in because he's already on the downslope, that, I think, is a a tough thing for teams to do. Um, So, all right, there's our breaking news. Where else have we got any more defensive linemen we wanted to talk about? Well, you want to talk about Nolan Smith because you've got the two undersized guys who are – Yeah, I mean, it's obvious, right? He had just an incredible workout. I think everybody thought that would would happen anyway. So, you know, maybe he's not a a winner relative to expectations, but he came out there as an undersized guy under 240 pounds, which I've seen some people argue was the most relevant number he put up during the week. You know, he is that small. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be that small, get in the four threes, four, three, nine, 40, have a 10 yard split of 1.5, which is a wide receiver kind of number, you know, post the kind of workout numbers that he did to say, Yes, I am this small, but look, it's worth it. Like, I'm bringing the other things to the table that make it worth your while. He's an undersized speed edge rusher, but he's got ability to play the run. He's got some power, and he put out a pretty impressive workout overall. Yeah, I mean, it's more about the ability. Size matters, don't get me wrong, but it is more about your ability to generate power because power explosiveness. Because, like, at 238, with the numbers he put up, and again, that 238 is good way because he's listed at 235. So he's up from whatever he was listed at Georgia. I think we had this conversation with uh, And worked out. So it's not like Bryce Young's weight yeah, where, yeah. you know, I'm going to put on as much weight as humanly possible and, and then not sit test. here and not move. Yeah. But he puts on, just say, a 10-pound lead jacket tomorrow. He's still running sub 4.5. Right. You know, he's still jumping like 36 inches, 37 inches. That's he's still an explosive like, dude. It's a drill I'd like to see. The 10-pound yeah. weighted jump. Yeah. I mean, like he can get up to a good weight and still be an elite athlete. Um, and I think, obviously, you got to talk about Jalen Carter as a loser. <laughs> I mean, not for workouts, but during the combine, the man got sent home to deal with an arrest warrant. It doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, uh, hard, to, hard to do worse unless you're who was the uh, Alabama There have been some linebacker. pretty spectacular. Yeah, Reuben Foster, Foster got sent home for basically intimidating the medical staff. Fighting during, the med staff. Right, during his, uh, his medicals. Um, Maurice Hurst got sent home with a heart, heart condition. condition. That's pretty bad. Orlando I mean, Brown went through his workouts, but it was basically the worst workout known to man. So that was pretty bad. But that's like, that's your top five, essentially, yeah. worst combines of all time. And he's in that. Yeah, I, I guess with... Pro- I, trying to weigh it i think maybe hearst's was probably the worst where yes. it's like hey you might die right if you play this game that's bad that's a bad combine. although i did remember making a joke at the time that orlando brown had the worst combine of the year including maurice mm-hmm. hearst so hearst. technically i've already ranked yeah. brown ahead of hearst for but how bad it was brown did fall i mean they're all they all fell probably more than carter's gonna fall if we're being <laughs> yes. if we're keeping it real here. right like carter when you're that talented gms will make excuses for your bad behavior it's yeah. a fact of life. It's been, you know, it's been the way the NFL's operated since the inception. There's also enough time for them to get cover. Like if this gets worked out between now and the draft and mm-hmm. it ends up being whatever the punishment for the misdemeanors is, you know, fines, community service, blah, blah, blah. Once there's a legal bow put on that, 
that's like the green light for NFL teams to go. He got he's, he he served his turn. Right, it's, it's done now. He did his turn. He did right, it's time. all worked out. Like now we're just taking a guy who we know has got blah blah. blah you know, and yeah. excuse it that way. Like if it happened days before the draft, all of a sudden you've got it, the whole thing is already a burning inferno of PR that you got to. I'm a, I'm already I'm already looking forward to the GM press conference post whoever drafts him. Just the. The word salad we're gonna get served. I hope they use Chat GPT. <laughs> what should I? What should I? Chat GPT. Be a GM who just drafted a player yeah. who justifies the drafting of Jalen Carter in yeah. the top five in the style of you know whatever GM is relevant. <laughs> um, have you got any losers? I have both the Carters. In fact, Jalen yeah. Carter and Andre Carter, who just Andre Carter obviously didn't have an arrest, but didn't uh, didn't have an insane workout, which I think. A lot of people would have been expecting. Yeah, I uh, I had Mike Morris. He didn't test well. Came in underweight. Came in like two seventy five. But I, I do want to hammer home that Andre Carter. That was ugly. Uh, now his his shuttle was very good, four three six. But I want to know who even told him to do the bench press when he did eleven reps. <laughs> you don't all of a sudden be like, you know, uh, I've been doing twenty all yeah, week. And now 11. I hit eleven. No, like he probably at best was doing like 14-15. And if you're a defensive end, 14-15 is abysmal. And, and you see it on his tape. Like that, that is the unique thing about Andre Carter is that there's a valid excuse for why he's built like a defensive end recruit and, and not, you know, already right. a defensive end prospect. It's that he's taking, you know, two months or so out of every single year to run and train to be in the Army yes. and not actually he's care in about the Army. Right. being 270 with his frame and a powerful defensive end. It's like why Army runs. 11 reps. They can't hold on that weight. 11 reps is the kind of number where you're better off just not doing the bench, period, than yeah. putting up 11 reps. Yeah. Like you're, you're way better just saying, let's just assume it's not a good number and move on yes. than actually giving them the number relevant and mm -hmm. having it written there. Um, what about linebackers? What have you got? All right. My biggest winners from linebackers, you stole my the, the biggest winner in my opinion, but... Dorian Williams, the two-lane linebacker, 4-4-9, came in with over 33-inch arms, almost 230 pounds. Boom. That's, those are great numbers. He's one of my – he's a top 100 linebacker on the PFF board. I think his ability uh, in coverage is probably top four in this draft class as just a pure cover player and has really, really broad shoulders, really massive wingspan. I think almost like a 6'10 wingspan. Like he is a uniquely built dude who – I would love to see, you know, put in a weak side linebacker role that really just taps into that physical ability. So he's, he's a winner. And then I think Diane Henley, who's PFF's LB1, to go 4-5-4, 35-inch vertical, 10-5 broad jump. That's just saying, you know, whatever you want him to do athletically, he is more than capable of. Yeah, my winner was uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa, who just put up, like, an impressive workout top to bottom. 4.65 in the 40, a 10-yard split under uh, 1.6 seconds, 37-and-a-half-inch vertical, which is pretty crazy at, what do you weigh in at, 249 pounds, 10-foot-8 broad jump, 3-cone, 6.74, that's pretty crazy, mm -hmm. and then a 4.24 short shuttle. So just elite workout top to bottom for a guy that can now – count himself as amongst the best athletic linebackers you're going to see. Yes, would not surprise me to see him go a lot higher than people have been kind of mocking him. Would not surprise me to see him go in the top 50. One, awful linebacker class. Probably the worst linebacker class I've seen in the nine years of PFF creating college. It's just, it's not good. 
Two, look at the weights of pretty much everyone else that tests at the combine. Every guy we've mentioned besides him so far has been under 240 pounds or 230 pounds, excuse me. Like this is a slight, light linebacker class. 249 is Prototype. what everyone wants. You right. know, what the vast majority of defense at the NFL still want one of those guys at least. And Campbell is the lone guy, it seems like, in this draft class that can be that three down real between the tackle slumper. Yeah, like the last time, the, the last show, we were talking about how the entire linebacker group is built like these stick insects. They're all tiny, thin, lean guys. And then you've got this six foot five, 250-pound, prototypical, walking stereotype of a linebacker who then goes out and posts insane workout numbers. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Do we have any losers for the linebacker group? And then the, we'll get on to a new position. The, the only guy I'd really bill as a loser is probably Noah Sewell. I, I wasn't super high in his yeah. prospects to begin with. Um I think he's a really limited um, in terms of his what he can do in coverage. And they really took him out of coverage at Oregon on tape because he's just like he's a truthfully, he's an edge rusher. Like that is what he does best. And it would not surprise me if that's where he ultimately falls in the NFL, despite, you know, having a weird build by edge rusher standards. I mean, he's basically built like Micah Parsons, right? Six one two forty six, thirty one five inch arms. That, that's Micah Parsons. Only so with, only with bad weight. But yes, but again, like that. But he's not carrying the way Parsons did. He's not as athletic as Parsons is, and I worry about him in coverage because of those things. But four six four, thirty three inch vert. I always think benches reps is nice, but I always think it's kind of weird when sort of siblings or, or close blood relatives of guys that played one position play a completely different position. You know that involves radically different body types mm-hmm. when they don't necessarily have that. Like you can see how. Noasul and Panesul are related, and yet one of them is an offensive tackle, and the other one is trying to like masquerade as an off-the-ball linebacker. It's like you, that's not really that body type does not transform into an off-the-ball linebacker body type without some fairly radical changes. Yeah, and you don't appear to have made that many radical changes. You're just like a smaller version of the other guy trying to play a, a position that's not really <laughs> going to function. So really yeah, it kind of looks like a guy that doesn't actually belong at that that spot trying to get it done. All right, new positions. This is what we haven't talked about yet. DBs. Yes, sir. Where are you going? My biggest winner, I mean, throw, like a ton of these. Throw I a dart. Like... Throw a dart at this <laughs> cornerback class. And we've raved about how good this corner class is and that it's one of the best I've seen, one of the deepest at minimum. Um, maybe I, I don't think I'd put any guy, any one prospect in the realm of what I put Sauce and Stingley last year. I think those were two special prospects mm-hmm. that are probably a little bit above even, you know, Devon Witherspoon, who's CB1 PFS board this year. But there were probably then about five or six guys who are then right in that tier after them as prospects that are just like damn good. And they showed it at the combine, whether it was Deontay Banks, who went like four three five with a what was it, 42-inch vertical and 11-4 broad jump at 197 pounds, just an all-time athlete at that size. Uh, Cam Smith, I, I thought, really helped himself um, with his times. There were, he probably came in with more question marks about his athleticism than anyone uh, of the top corners in this draft class. And 4-4-3 is nothing like special, but I thought that was a good time for him. But then the explosive drills, he went you know, 38-inch vertical, 11-2 broad jump. Those are great, those are great figures uh, for a guy that – you know, people maybe were trying to move to the slot. Well, shit, I think he can play outside still. Julius Brents from Kansas State, you know, over 11-foot broad, one of the best broads, one of the best verticals of anyone in attendance, and has like 34-inch arms. Box ticker. That's, 
that's a great number for him. He's probably going middle of day two now. Joey Porter, 34-inch arms, runs in the four fours. I thought he was going to be a four fives guy. Great for him. Yeah. Um, and then that, so the corner class, just those guys, again, pretty much any single one who tested probably did themselves some favors. My biggest winner was uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Would he have been in your winners yeah, list yeah, if I had stolen him? Yeah. He, so obviously his, his workout numbers are kind of crazy, right? He, he measures in six foot one, 197 pounds, four, three, eight. So under four, four, one, five, four, 10 yard split. That's really fast. 41 and a half inch vertical over 11 feet in the broad jump. Like those are insane elite explosive numbers. But this, when you get to the, the drills as well, there were two people I think that stood out during the entire week for me. Mm-hmm where they embodied the word smooth and fluid as an athlete. Like they just move with zero effort. And that was Christian Gonzalez. When, even when you just watch him run his 40, there were some guys out there. Um, what's the TCU's quarterback's name? Max Duggan. Duggan. Max Duggan looked like Ryan Fitzpatrick trying to run a 40, right? The guy's life force was being spent on that 40-yard dash. Mm-hmm. That took five years off his life. Like that running that 40 ended that guy's life prematurely by five years. Christian Gonzalez looked like nothing, like zero effort was put into that. And I don't, I mean that in a good way. Like Mm -hmm. it was, he just, it didn't phase him. He was just able to glide down that 40 and run under four, four flat. And every single drill was the same way. Like he just looked, there was zero wasted movement. It was smooth, it was easy, it was fluid. There's something about those athletes where if you're just able to move like that and make that kind of stuff look easy, I think that's a good sign. And he was the guy that stood out for me on the DB side of things. Yeah, he really did. The, the, I think what the craziest number, though, of any of the corners that I saw came from Travis Hodges Tomlinson, who an 11-foot broad jump, it, it wasn't like an elite number by you know, corner standards. When you're 5'9", it five is. But 5'8". He's 5'8". Five five eight. Eight. Like, when you're 5'8", like, Deuce Vaughn had like a nine something seven broad jump right. because just like when you're small, your legs don't go as far out in front of you. It would be five eight to fly eleven feet, almost, you know, like two of your bodies <laughs> through the air, is insane. It's insane. So that that number. So Travis Hodges Thompson helped himself as well. Um, have you got what about losers for DBs? Okay, losers for DBs. I think the safety class. Now I, I think Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, the two Illinois DBs. Two Illinois safeties, Quan more of a slot, Cindy more of like versatile dude. They helped themselves. They put up great explosive numbers, but pretty much everyone else who tested. Brian Branch ran slow, although I don't think that changed anything. I didn't think he was ever fast. But Jair Brown ran really slow in the four sixes. Christopher Smith, the Georgia safety, who's like build for his range, ran in the four sixes. Antonio Johnson had a really bad vertical, really bad broad jump for a guy who's kind of supposed to be an explosive player around the line of scrimmage. Jamie Robinson. Also ran slow, high four fives, nothing impressive, 33-and-a-half-inch 30, 30, vertical, 9-8 broad jump. Like, none of those guys were athletic, which is a little concerning and, and kind of backs up that this is not a banner safety class by any means. Yeah, I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit in certain specific cases. Um, but generally, one of the important things from the combine is, like, not to double count mm-hmm. the athleticism sort of rev, uh, the revealing of the, the true athleticism using these sort of numbers. If there's a guy that you already knew was not athletic, you don't like double count yes. the fact that he's now proven to be not athletic. Like, you already know this. This was just reaffirming what we already thought. Similarly, if you knew a guy was an incredible athlete, the fact that he then proves it with the numbers, don't double count it. You already knew the guy was special. It doesn't 
mm-hmm. increase the importance that that is. It's just reaffirming what you thought one way or the other. Uh, and then the flip side of that is the guys where I think it's most important are the ones where it's different to either what you thought or what you needed to see, you know, given a certain body type or size or yeah. whatever. So Nolan Smith needed to have that kind of work exactly. out because you knew he was that small. Um, so one of the losers for the DBs for me is Clark Phillips, the Utah corner, who, you know, 5'9", 185-ish, 4'5", 140 is not good when you're that small. The 10-yard the split was pretty good, but 33-inch vertical isn't great. 4'3", short shuttle isn't good. Like, these are times and, and numbers that you need to be better if you're going to be that kind of size working against you know, NFL wide receivers. Yes. There's just not a strong track record. He said undersized and unathletic. Yeah. That's and a so I, I, I had worries about his tape already because his size was an issue. I mean, I, I thought it showed up at times like he'd be at the catch point, be in good position. And just, there's nothing you can do when you're five, nine, one eighty a lot of times. Um, so I worried about that. And then to go, the time he did, there's just not a, again, like I said, not a strong track record of slower and undersized corners sticking on the outside. So it's probably a slot, which I, I don't think it matters nearly as much there. Um, and it's not like a derogatory thing in today's NFL. It's like, oh, he's just a slot. Right. But uh, once you're taking things off a guy's plate, right, that he can do from a prospect perspective, you're just limiting, uh, kind of pigeonholing yourself into like, oh, he has to be good at this one thing or else I have no options. All right, let's get on to quarterbacks. Now, you have no winners or losers for the quarterback position. Because that is correct. Because the combine doesn't mean absolute shit (laughs) for the quarterback position. It doesn't mean shit. There's – okay, so – There's nothing that I saw that changed my opinion on any of these guys. Let me – I think that is fair, but let me – give you it's not even a counterpoint it's not even it's actually contradictory to almost everything i just said five minutes ago but that being said let me explain to you why i think there are winners or losers number one anthony richardson he's going to be talked about as one of the winners of this combine put up insane workout numbers at an insane size reinforced everything we thought about him in terms of freakish ability um where i think it changes things for me though is remember before the combine, it's like this guy's a mix of Cam Newton and Justin Fields. Like, mm-hmm. what even? That's absurd and ridiculous. And my biggest problem with that is, like, Cam Newton was a visible freak every time he stepped onto the field. He was bigger than defensive ends that were trying to chase him down, and faster than those guys. And every every stage of football he ever played in his life, he was the biggest, freakiest athlete in the room, and therefore was a dominant force, almost mm-hmm. independent of what he was able to do passing the football. I didn't really see that with Richardson on my first look at the guy's tape. It's like, obviously, he's a freak athlete, but he's not Cam Newton. Well, it turns out, from a workout point of view, he is. Yeah. And actually, he's faster than Cam Newton at the same kind of size. Like, he's basically the same weight, at, you know, an inch shorter. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see that. And now I'm kind of like, maybe I do need to reassess, like, just how freaky he is. And therefore, what that means for his floor in the NFL because I'm actually starting to think now that he's almost the opposite player that everybody is talking about him as, right? He's, he's being characterized as a really low floor and high ceiling guy, you know, mm-hmm. massive range of outcomes. And actually, if he's that level of freak athlete, you might be talking about a guy who has a really high floor, but maybe the ceiling isn't as high because the thing that's a problem is accuracy. 
And okay, Josh Allen fixed that, but most people don't. Mm -hmm. So if you have a generally inaccurate quarterback, even if he is pretty good from a process standpoint and maybe more of a, a sort of fundamental passer than people are giving him credit for, that still probably puts a cap on how good you can be. But if you're that freaky an athlete, it's almost impossible to stink. Yes. Yes. I, I've been saying that one for a while that I would draft him. And this was like a, a little correlated, but like if you just said he wanted to play another position, I'd take him in the first round. I don't really care what position it is. He's just like that. Right. Is if he was just caliber. an athlete, like the yes. college recruiting the guy, Exactly. Stuff. He's a five-star athlete. Like right. this guy is. That's what you're drafting him as to a degree. But it just it gives you a high floor when you are that dynamic. You, you can run. You can run the triple option with him, and it'd be tough to stop. Um, play after play. So, yeah, I, I, I do think he, he's, like you said, being billed a little incorrectly because he does um, – he is going to be tough to stop even if he doesn't complete a pass next year. But I, I, hard to call him winner because I already felt that way. And I, I guess his uh, Instagram follower is probably a winner. <laughs> um, his social media presence is a yeah. big winner. But to me, like it doesn't change how I rank him. I still think he's. I think that's fair. And obviously, you know, you're 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 way deeper into the tape and stuff mm -hmm. than I am. But for me, it sort of changed how I was crediting him with that stuff. Like obviously, yeah. I knew he was an impressive athlete, but I that workout and that those measurables to me are like actually this guy is in a different category than maybe you were giving him credit for, and that that does change things. Mm -hmm. Like. If he is that special an athlete, because that, like that, I think over the last few years, you're starting, not even a few years, but over a while now, you're starting to kind of see that, that guys that are genuinely special athletes, it does change how, it just changes the rules. Like Justin yeah. Fields being able to be as fast and freaky as he is, gives him time. Like if the mm -hmm. Bears go with him again, it's because he's that freaky an athlete. Um, Cam Newton, obviously everything we've seen from him. Josh Allen being as good as he was, he stank as a passer for a couple of years, but had the time because yeah. he could do all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts as well. And apparently he's a way more impressive athlete than Jalen Hurts is. And they were able to basically build a rushing mm -hmm. offense off the back of that. So the fact that he, he was that special, like I think changes his entire outlook. I, I will just say though, on field, the throwing portion, he was bad. <laughs> he Certainly, was, he was all over the place. And it, it, didn't was not, help. it did not look like he was fixed. Right, and it, it didn't help that he was right next to C.J. Stroud, mm -hmm. who did, made everything look easy. Yeah. Like, he, he had the throwing equivalent of the Christian Gonzalez, B. Jatton Robinson smoothness. Like, just everything was drop back, smooth, easy. Yeah. He, I, I would almost put him as a winner in terms of, I mean, we, again, we knew this already, but he did show the difference between him mm -hmm. and, like, the other guys that worked out from just how easy he made throwing the football accurately look. And I think his arm looked a little liver than I even – Gave him credit for. He was putting his deep ball was going toe to toe in terms of just like distance and yeah. velocity with Anthony Richardson. Right. It didn't. I, the one thing is that it didn't look like Richardson tried. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, they were sort of terming that drill, you know, like the Josh Allen drill, because mm -hmm. that was kind of where it first showed up. Josh Allen like took an age and then just unleashed one just to show how far he could throw it. Everybody in this drill kind of felt more like they were just trying to go for accuracy. Whereas, they, I think they have three shots at those, the, the true go ball. Mm -hmm. All right, the first two, let's go for accuracy and pretty and showing you what we could do. The third one, like, let's just – Yeah, that's what, that's what they did. Richardson did that. Stroud was definitely, I mean, trying to show off the arm. Like, yeah. He was taking a nice little crow hop. But I think that's the difference between Richardson, Levis's arm talent versus Stroud's 
is that those guys just like it comes out. Richardson just flakes they, it. They don't even. Yeah. Levis doesn't change his. He, shit, he doesn't change his release no matter what the throw is. Yeah. He's the same like tight, and that's why they can spin it real nice to intermediate level with like a little more juice than I think Stroud does. So I think Levis was kind of a loser from this whole thing um, for the throwing portion. So he was obviously going to throw. He said he used that term because he's got a cannon. And he wants to show mm-hmm. it off. He felt like when he was doing all the different throwing drills, it was almost like I've heard that the biggest criticism of me is a lack of variance in my throws. So I'm going to vary them at random here <laughs> just to show that I have like other clubs in the bag. But it's like they were, it was independent of what the throw the was. Concept, yeah. You know what I mean? Like each one of these throws is already designed to make you vary the throw mm-hmm. by the route. And he was like, just, it was like a randomizer as to what throw was going to come out based, you know, dep- independent of what the route was being run. I'm like, that's not helping. Like, this is not showing everybody that you have this wide variety of throws. This is like, do you know what you're doing here? <laughs> I did think he looked accurate, accurate, more accurate than Richardson for sure. And probably more accurate than he's like, was given credit for on tape. But obviously it's a controlled environment. If you don't look accurate there, it's, you're, you're in trouble. Like, that's why Anthony Rich is still like, I still QB4 because dude misses an insane amount of throws. 53% yeah. completion is, is a tough pill to swallow. It is. And that's his biggest issue is yeah. like, we need, like, we need to do the Josh Allen thing to him. We need to exactly. figure out like, if we can teach him how to be accurate yeah. from a very low baseline. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard a lot of people say it's fixable. And there are things that can get cleaned up and I expect it to improve. But I think it's a far cry to expect him to look anything like Josh Allen, though, in terms of like the fix of the fix that he has yeah. gone through. Because and, and it took at, him three years. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's the other thing is, oh, it might be fixable, but is it going to take you three years of working with an independent, you know, private QB coach for that to happen? Do you even get three years mm-hmm. to get to get to that point if you're bad from a passing standpoint? Like it's not easy, even if it is achievable. Um, all right, wide receivers. Wide Winner. receivers. Winners. I had a few winners. Okay. I thought Rasheed Rice was a big winner. Let's go. I, I, for him to go 41 inches in the vertical at 204 pounds, 10-8 broad jump. And my favorite, though, was the 149-10 split. Get off the line of scrimmage. Now, obviously somewhat inexperienced versus press in that show at the Senior Bowl, but I, I think it's there. Yeah. You know, that shows that that, like, that explosiveness, that suddenness is there for him to do so. He so. – he, SMU wide receiver, he is a fascinating mix. He's a fascinating mix of tools to me. Like, I think if you're looking for those kind of mid-round guys that have the ability to be something better than they are right now, he's one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a guy I would be really interested in in the mid-rounds. It's a project. There's a lot of work to do, but there's definitely the capacity for that guy to be a good quality starting NFL wide receiver. Yeah. Um, ne- next winner, I thought Marvin Mims, the Oklahoma wide receiver. Uh, all those speed wide receivers, you know, we're thinking some fast guys in this class. This was Turns out f- none of them yeah. were fast. <laughs> this was not a fast class of wide receivers. Except Marvin Mims, 4-3-8, yeah. great, uh, great three-cone there, 6-9, so when no one runs the three-cone anymore. So mm. uh, big fan of his day. I thought Quentin Johnston kind of just put his nuts on the table and said, <laughs> you know, I, I am a different dude than anyone else here because 208 pounds is size that no one in this class, at least the top guys, can't come close to matching. And then a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical and 11-2 broad jumper just stupid numbers for a guy that big. Um, I thought Michael Wilson really helped himself, the Stanford wide receiver. Now, I only, like his tape. I only, went, only went 4 5 eight. Not fast. No. Knew that. But a 1-5-10 split 
at 213 pounds is again what it takes to get off the line of scrimmage. And he did 23 bench press reps, which is a a big number for a wide receiver. So almost up to the 24th, I think. He helped himself, and then Josh Downs, I think, helped himself in a class full of smaller dudes. As we've been banging the table, you know, this is a tiny, tiny wide receiver class. Yes, he's tiny, but I think he was the best tester yeah. of the tiny guys. Four he, four eight is a good time for him. One four nine ten split, great time for him. Thirty eight and a half inch vertical and ten eleven broad. So yeah, Josh he felt Downs. like he helped himself just relative to the other small receivers. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. yeah, it's like Com- by the, comparison, almost the one guy that sort of didn't let himself down as opposed to really helping himself. Uh-huh. Um, I think the biggest winner was Jackson Smith and Jigba. But then yes, didn't run the forty. Is Ohio State a fast track, by the way? Because I think it's only the one fastest of, those guys... of the fast tracks. Beanie Wells. Okay. Beanie fucking Wells ran a four three six reportedly <laughs> at Ohio State's track. These one of the worst, most least athletic linebackers I've ever seen. So it is. So it the, is. I think the only the only Ohio State prospect that that ran a forty at Indy, as opposed to waiting for their pro day, mm-hmm. was Dewan Jones. Simply because I'm going to run a f- five three. What the hell? Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who cares? As long as I just get it out of the way and be done. Um, everybody else is waiting for their pro day. Mm-hmm. So Smith and Jigba didn't, didn't run the 40, but posted like all time special change of direction numbers. Yeah. Six, five, seven, three cone, three, nine, three short shuttle. And then the jump numbers were pretty good. 35 inch vertical, 10 and a half foot broad mm-hmm. jump. Like that's not only did he post like all time change of direction numbers, but the stuff he was talking about in on the podiums and, and things like, the, the receivers he focuses on when he's watching tape are the guys that know how to run routes. So not only can he just beat you by change of direction anyway, but he also knows how to sell it so you're taking a false step so that the separation works even better. I mean, that whatever the, yeah. the 40 time ends up being, those numbers are where he's going to thrive yeah. at the next level. And not to toot my own horn here, but my competent draft guy for him is Julian Edelman. And to get by being that kind of wide receiver, like a 5'10", well built, you know, 195 is Julian Edelman coming out 190 in the 190s for Jackson and Jigba. You better and not have that speed vertical threat element really to his game, which is, you know, what the knock is on JSN. You better be an elite change of direction athlete. You better just be able to be as sudden as can be and untouchable in that regard over the middle of the field. Julian Edelman, 392 short shuttle, 6623 cone. Almost identical numbers, though, too. I think that's just the player you're getting. You're getting ultra reliable ultra-talented route runner over the middle of the field that, as we've seen, like when those guys get featured, they're unstoppable, basically. And it's also why I think that he can play on the outside. Like I don't think he's just going to be a slot guy. Yeah. Like Edelman was not Wes Welker 2.0. Mm-hmm. Edelman played outside, outside. a yeah. lot and didn't have problems doing it because of all that kind of change of direction, quickness, foot speed, the ability to get away from a dude trying to jam him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how I would kind of describe it is you want to draft him if you run a lot of 11 personnel. If you run a lot three wide, you'll covet him highly. That's probably where he's going to go just because of how the draft works. But if you, when you go to two wide receiver sets, he's not coming off the field. Right. Yeah. Um, what about losers? Losers, uh, there were a few. I think the biggest one, though, has to be Jordan Addison. So I've seen a lot of people say that. Why, what's, why do you have Addison on here? Because he felt like another one of those guys where, like, I didn't expect him to run fast. Yeah. Shows up lighter, um, 173 than he's listed. You, you would expect a guy who has been listed at 175 since back to his time at Pittsburgh to have, you know, gotten bigger. <laughs> like that's how it's usually how it goes in college. You, you put on muscle mass. He obviously hasn't comes in with kind of a tight frame, you know, under 31 inch arms, not a guy that you'd expect to make a lot of plays outside his body. And then 
34 inch vertical 10-2 broad jump those are those are below average numbers for a wide receiver and one five six ten splits also like not good so again it goes back to when you're a size outlier on the low end you better have something to back it up so it just it just brings up question marks about how his game will translate at that size more than i would have um more than you'd like i'll say yeah i think almost all this was not a good workout uh for the wide receivers mm -hmm. i think collectively the entire group was not good um so i think i, I generally there was a lot of losers but i don't think there was a bigger one than Keishon Butte from uh, oh, yeah. lsu uh, I, I saw you had that i was like yeah that one was obvious i mean just terrible like a four five guy a 29 inch vertical Mm -hmm. For an NFL a guy who wants to be an NFL wide receiver, if the first number in your vertical is a two, that's ridiculous. Like that's embarrassing. A nine foot ten inch broad jump, four two, like just a terrible workout. Yeah, that was. I mean, I think he opted out this past fall, but just kept showing up still. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he 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 did nothing. Like he, it, on tape, he was truthfully he was checked out. The the dude put up low effort tape. Um, and this is a guy who's like who's still claiming that like oh, i'm the best wide receiver in this draft you know what yeah. i mean like you can't and he was nasty as a freshman like legitimately i had him coming into this year after his sophomore tape as wide receiver one because he was that good and that explosive and just a different player entirely this year yeah I, I mean hard to watch i don't know he had better have some pretty amazing interviews otherwise mm -hmm. his stock feels like it's sinking like a brick yeah i i, I am worried worried about him uh, i had one more loser mm -hmm. um jaden reed the michigan state wide receiver I, I i watched his tape and there's like a lot to like there's there's hard, there's not a lot of negatives i'll say on, on jaden reed's tape but i just kept going back i'm like why don't i like it more though like why why right. isn't it because yeah i think he runs good routes i think he's pretty crisp i think he's pretty like well-rounded uh in his skill set but i think the testing really showed why i wasn't higher he's just a below average athlete for his size, you know, for a 187 pound wide receiver, for a guy on the smaller end, a four, four, five, 33 and a half inch vertical, 10, one broad jumper, just like, and one, five, seven, 10 splitter, just that's, that's just not enough to get away from NFL corners. In my opinion, it, when you're, when that's kind of your selling point is your athlete. Let's move on to tight ends. Cause this is actually a really fun group. And I think they, they looked really good uh, during this drill. I know Daniel Jeremiah was saying this is the, the best tight end group in a decade. Um, it kind of looks that way as well. Yeah. My biggest winner, Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. Has to be. Who I did not like from tape. I watched the dude's tape, and I was like, okay, if you can get the ball in his hands, mm -hmm. he's amazing. But he's bad at everything required for that to happen. His route receiver. running isn't good. His hands aren't good. Um like, remember Michael Bennett, the Vikings running back? Yeah. Michael Bennett was amazing with the ball in his hands in space, but he was bad at everything required to get to that point, so it was useless. It's like, I can't get you the ball in space for you to then take advantage of it, so this is a waste of everybody's time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I felt with Sam Laporta. But then he goes out there for the workout. One, I think, measured bigger than he was supposed to be, right? He found an extra inch in height. It was 6'4", 245. Um, but then was he looked so smooth like his movement was fluid his catching was good he caught the ball well like it didn't look like he was fighting it the way he did uh on his tape sometimes and just sort of generally put the kind of performance together independent of the workout numbers just from the drills that made me go i'm gonna need to go back to that guy's tape and figure out 
why it wasn't as good in game. Yeah. But like that showed that he has the skill set to be that guy. Yeah, he's very interesting because I I didn't see this caliber of athlete on tape. I think he's a good athlete for sure. But I didn't see like he tested out better Luke Musgrave, the Oregon State tight end, who everyone was, you know, billing as the freak in this draft class. And Musgrave still tested well, and I still truly believe he is uh, a unique dude that you can do some different things with. But Laporta as well. I, I think he's um, immediately going to be an upper echelon tight end in the NFL in terms of with the ball in his hands. He, he was uh, right up there with Dalton Kincaid in this class, maybe even better than Kincaid just in terms of his after-the-catch ability. He broke 20 tackles yeah. and 58 catches this year. He is special in that regard for sure. So the, the, the route tree that is usually how tight ends are featured in the league is a lot of rack, like run after catch stuff. It's a lot of that. And so am I going to, you know, you're going to have a debate in the second round. Are you going to want to go, maybe Luke Musgrave's on the board. Maybe Sam Laporte is also on the board. And Musgrave doesn't break tackles. That's not his game. He's just a vertical threat, tight end position. A lot of teams might lean Laporte in that conversation now. Um, and then the other guy that I think probably changed fundamentally how I view him was Darnell Washington from Georgia. Okay. Now, I'm going to push back. I don't believe his height thing. I think, I, I don't know how, but he's got the hair on top. Undersold that gets him. Yeah. The, the man is easily six foot seven. I just, I'm not, belie- I flat out refuse to believe any measurement that has him under six foot seven, 264 pounds. Um, now, he sort of, he's getting comped a lot to Mercedes Lewis for similar reasons, you know, giant, yeah. sort of freak body tight end and is primarily a blocker, effectively, mm-hmm. because of that. I thought he moved better than that. I thought he showed that he, and obviously had one of the most spectacular random ass catches in the drills. Like he had <laughs> yeah. the, the, the fade, end zone fade thing where he just one hand plucks it out of the air and taps the feet down. Um, but I thought he moved better than a guy that is supposed to be just this sort of leaden footed giant freak in line blocking six tight, yeah. or sixth offensive lineman guy. I thought he showed that like that guy can actually do some stuff in the passing game for you. See, I, I push back. Okay. I think he's the most overrated tight end in this draft class. Well, I guess I, it depends where you're rating him. Like, yeah. I, I came into this sort of thinking, I don't really want that guy on my team. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't. That's fair. I mean, it's not like I, I, he, I wouldn't have him as an undrafted grade or anything, mm-hmm. but, like, I wouldn't be drafting him very high at all. He, but all of a sudden, I'm like, from those drills, I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe he can actually be part of your passing game and be useful. That's, the, like, on tape, though, he doesn't get open on his own. Like, he's a schemed open guy. Right. Which, again, I just talk, 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 touched on, like, a lot of tight end routes are, are not. Yeah. You don't have to beat a guy. You mm-hmm. just have to be kind of fast and have a big catch radius. And so he can do those things. But you just, I mean, any of the highlights they showed on that you'll ever see from Darnell Washington, it is not him putting a move on a linebacker to sure. get open. It's not him beating a safety one-on-one. It is him running an over route, running a crossing route, gets the ball in his hands. Oh, it looks awesome because he's fucking huge seven foot wingspan i yeah. mean the guy is unique for sure but just what does that ceiling get to you know how, how how much is just those routes and not being particularly dynamic he can you know it looks cool when he does break tackles after the catch but you're not going to rely on him yeah i mean so i don't think his ceiling is through yeah. the roof or anything but it, it just sort of fundamentally changed how i yeah. view that guy from like i i mean from like mercedes lewis mm-hmm. right right yeah. right now he is effectively a blocker, and then every now and again, Aaron Rodgers finds him for a 25-yard pass. And it's like, oh, look at this guy. He's 20 years still in the league, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was sort of how I was viewing him going into this. And yeah. now it's like, actually, you know, he could be 
he could be a useful tight end in your offense more than just like one catch every two weeks. Yeah. So Mercedes Lewis tapped out at 700 yards as a career high yeah. in 2010. The only time he's ever gone over 600. Like that's that. Like what's that worth? Is like right. I, I'm more pushing back on like that being a first round player. No, I wouldn't. I, I just I wouldn't. don't think he's ever good. That if that's what you're getting, that's not a first. No, round I wouldn't take him anywhere near the first round. Yeah. But I like I was talking about him. Before that, as like a day three dude that maybe I'd spend a late round pick on. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, maybe okay. middle of the round, yeah. so middle fair. round somewhere. I think loser the tight end position though. Mayor Michael yes. Mayer, yes. To to four seven is where I expected, but I expected him to be like two sixty. Where seven. did the weight go? Two forty nine. Uh, again, like blocking is still an explosive and strength based thing. Whether you're 249 or 265, if, if all it is, the difference is fat, you're not doing yourself. It's not that you'd rather not have the fat, truthfully. So if you did just shed that, more power to him. That's where you'd rather him be. But that's still a below average athlete, no matter how you want to slice it, compared to the elite set of position. It's, it's more than good enough to be a you know guy that gets a somewhat featured role in your offense, but it's never going to be Travis Kelsey. I, I did not love his tape when I when I went to watch it. I went in to the, the, the tight end position expecting mm-hmm. to think that Kincaid was being overrated and Meyer or Mayer is actually the guy that you want out of this as the all rounder tight end, the guy that's good at everything. Um, and I ended up coming out of it going, Kincaid is way better than Mayer. Okay, Mayer's a better blocker, but Kincaid is so much better in the passing game. Yeah, and when you watch Mayer's tape <clears throat> Most of his wins are like, he's just bigger than people. So, okay, that's fine. It, that works. Like, I was kind of getting Gronk light mm-hmm. feel from yeah. his tape. But then if you come out and you're like, you suddenly lose a bunch of that weight, and it turns out you're not 260-something, you're only 249, and you're only six foot four and a half as opposed to 6'5", six 6'6", six six, like, and your workout numbers are pedestrian. Well, now you're just a guy who's a mar- not a marginal athlete, but not a good athlete who isn't winning through athleticism is winning through size. And it turns out your size has been kind of overrated. And all of a sudden, like, how are you winning at the next level? Yeah. That'd be just option rounds, right? That's how, that's how he's going to have to win. Yeah. He, he can, he is laterally <laughs> agile. And obviously we didn't get, unfortunately didn't get testing in that regard, but that's, which is surprising because that's where I'd expect him to shine. I, I mean, he can put his foot in the ground and run it out, run it in better than probably, you know, anyone in this draft class yeah. and, and he can use his size better than anyone in this draft class. So like there's that aspect to his game that is useful, but th- he's, n- he's not going to be, so I still think he's the a expectations good player. are just a little too high. Right. I, I still think he's a good player, but I've, I've kind of totally changed on just how good, mm-hmm. like I think the gap between him and Kincaid as a number one tight end in the class is significant. And I actually yeah. think it's a closer run thing for him and number three than it is him and number one. I, I will say though, I, so Kyle Pitts obviously the last tight end to go first round. Um, different Doesn't read really altogether. count. Yeah. But it, I think he's a better version of TJ Hawkinson who went top ten. They ran both ran four sevens. I, I would in that conversation, if you're debating those two prospects, I think Mayor's far superior. The the other tight end um, that I just want to mention, I haven't even like looked at the dude's uh, tape yet. But had he was impressing me in the workouts was the Miami tight end whose name is Will Mallory. Yes, Will Mallory. I thought had a really good workout. Again, yeah, similar to Laporta, just looked smooth, looked good, caught the ball well. Um, like just looked good at everything he was doing. Yeah, Mallory had a great testing day for himself. 
but he is he's 239 pounds um he, he's probably the biggest tweener in this class and that like he either needs to put on 10 pounds of muscle or shed 15 pounds of fat right to play in the nfl the what he showed up as just he's unplayable as a blocker right now so yeah though i think you know okay so his pff grades aren't great either there's not a lot to love about him other than the uh how he looked just randomly just running drills yeah. but still I thought that's what you take day three, right? I thought you'd he was rather, aggressive in the workout. You'd rather take that guy day three than a guy who has reliable hands. Yeah. Does I think the, it's does the right things. Those guys are kind of interesting to me as well. Like particularly when you're coming at we'll this from do. a position of ignorance, which I often am. Mm-hmm. And I, I have no experience of a lot of these guys. And anyone that just sort of stands out from any kind of workout or movement point of view, I think it's an interesting guy to go watch the tape more, yeah. figure out if there is anything there or if the mm-hmm. dude just had a randomly good workout. Um, all right, running backs. What do you got? Running backs, another one where kind of like the cornerback class where they just, they all really solidified that, hey, this is a special class, that we are all good prospects here. And so Jameer Gibbs going 4-3-6 I thought was great for his draft stock. That is a, you know. Wasn't he being talked about as a guy that could get into the 4-2s? Mm, or am I making that up? Maybe he's, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. Right. Because uh, anyone that runs, you know, what was Jalen Rager was claiming he could get in the four twos? True. And ran like a four four or something. So I'm not gonna put it past him, but I never saw it on tape. While the two guys I had pegged to maybe get in the four twos was A Chain mm-hmm. and then Keaton Mitchell. Both go in the four threes. They're both, you know, speed is obvious for both those guys. But Gibbs I thought really helped himself. I thought Chase Brown helped himself. Four th- four three, the explosive you know, forty inch vert, ten seven broad. Those are great numbers. And I thought Zach Charbonnet was the other one that with speed question marks to go four five three is a is a really good time for him, and then to have thirty seven inch vertical and ten two broad, like he is, pretty much everything you saw on tape, you can feel good about translating now to the NFL. So running back, <clears throat> excuse me, running back for me is one of the positions where I'm almost not not more interested, but I, I get the most I think out of the actual position drills yes. that they do during the game versus the forty, the vert, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. So. I, I don't really want to put Bijan as a winner because, yeah, truth His be told, I would have liked to see a slightly faster 40, yeah. all those kind of things. But he operated on a completely different plane of just smooth moving to anybody else that was there that day. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so visible. I The comp I keep coming back to for him, I, I had a Christian McCaffrey one at one point. Christian McCaffrey led me to Priest Holmes because I comped those two guys together when they were coming out. But actually, I'm starting to settle on LaDainian Tomlinson the more I watch of Bijan. Like, just a guy who embodies – it's almost like if you were designing a running back to operate with, like, 100% textbook technique and everything. Yeah. That's who you end up with. And LaDainian Tomlinson was that guy when he played, and now Bijan Robinson is that guy. Like, he's just so good and smooth at everything. And it was so visible when they did the drills. Like, he – yeah. Other, you know, these other guys, it's like crazy movement and like it's erratic. They're just about hanging in control. Everything he does is with 100% control and zero effort. I know you're not supposed to comp to Hall of Famers. Like that's a <laughs> easy way to get clowned. But LT was a prospect like this when he was coming. You know, like L- yeah. LT was probably the next Marshall Falk or whatever. You know, right. like the, the Bijan to say that, like the, there is a lot of similarities. And when you're, you know, that caliber of prospect, that how Bijan's being talked about, I think you can go to that level and it not be ridiculous. You can go to the Hall of Fame level. 
I mean, he's and already being valid. talked about as, you know, the best prospect since Adrian yeah. Peterson or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's already going back like 15 years. You might as well go the whole hog and say, well, stylistically, he looks a lot like LT. Yeah. You know, if he's that good and he looks a lot like LT, we're already talking about something pretty special. I agree. Um, so this one, I'll be interested to get your take in on. So 100% recency bias here. But I've decided that there is something to running backs in particular that move with a certain level of reckless abandon and violence to their game. And I think yeah. that's why Isaiah Pacheco was successful this year. Like he runs like every single carry is the last play he's going to get in the NFL and you better use it up now because it's gone from yeah. here on in. And I think there's a certain degree to which that just has success. If you're a good enough athlete and you're going to play at this level anyway, if you then show up wanting it more than everyone else and just prepared to physically batter people that just want to make a damn tackle, you're going to bust through some gaps and you're going to make some plays. Um, Daenerys Prince from Tulsa, everything he did yesterday was like that. The yeah. dude just ran with this sort of violence to him. And I'm like, all right, the PFF grade isn't great. The stats aren't amazing. I've just decided that's going to play. I just watched it play, so I've decided now that it's going to play for him too. I, I will say this. There, there is a distinct difference about how running backs break tackles at the collegiate level versus how they break tackles in the NFL. You will see a lot of guys make defenders actually miss in college, like miss altogether, get one hand on you, whatever. The amount of times that happens in the NFL is so rare that it's almost not even worth like you touting that skill, especially at running back when, you know, probably 95% of your carries, you're just not out in space with a one-on-one that you could make a guy miss. Like it's just, a, it's a rarity to do. And so a lot of tackle breaking in the NFL has to come via actual contact. Like you're getting contacted, you have to play through that contact and you have to be able to run through it. So running hard um, and and the way you break tackles, like Jonathan Taylor wasn't really noted for his tackle breaking at Wisconsin, but he breaks tackles the way you have to break tackles in the NFL, which is one cut, explode, guy hits your thighs, and it doesn't matter. That's like kind of how you have to do it. You can't just make guys miss altogether. You can't just be this shifty guy out in space who's going to juke guys. Now, there are some that can survive on that, but it's a far, far rarer occasion than the Pachecos of the world who maybe he's not elusive, maybe he's not going to make you miss, but he's going to put his nose down and run through a lot more tackles than uh, your run-of-the-mill, you know, 215-pounder who runs a little more timidly. Is that an endorsement or... That's an endorsement, yeah. That was a long way You're on board. You're on board. Yeah. All right. Um, One other winner I had. This is... See if you like this one. Um... Evan Hall from Northwestern. Yeah. And the reason why, he every rep that he had, including the 40-yard dashes, he took to the house. He finished in the end zone. So whatever the rep was, wherever it was mm. supposed to end, he ran it all the way through the end zone. And I bet, I bet there is an NFL team out there that Loved loves it. that. That Bill. loves that. That's like... That's competitiveness. That's what we want. That level of going above and beyond. Get that guy in the building this second. I don't care if he can play football. That's the kind of attitude we want in this building. Yeah, feels like a patriot. I guarantee that that like secured him a draft spot from somebody. No, I mean, I bet he's drafted though. He looked good at Senior Bowl and, and looked good on the field drills too. Okay. Um, and then the other guy I thought that stood out, again, just from the sort of movement drills, um, Tajay Spears from Tulane. Like yeah. his... He just looks smooth again, like almost like a Bijan light where everything just looked easy for him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tajay Spears. I think he's top 100 back. And if you're top 100 back in the PFF board, 
Right. <laughs> BFF. You're you a pretty good back. Last year, I think there was only three. It was uh, obviously Walker and Brees and then Damian Pierce. So if you're a top hundred back, we are – it's a stamp of that's a stamp of approval that you should be starting the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't happen easy with the uh, with BFF. Mm-hmm. All right, offensive lineman, the last uh, position group uh, wasn't actually the last position group to work out, but it wasn't the last day. So, who are your winners? Uh, I, I thought Peter Skaronski really helped himself. A thirty-four and a half inch vertical and nine-seven broad jump are elite times, and especially considering you know early in his career, I think it was more when he had play strength concerns, but showed up three thirteen. That's not, that's not undersized by any means. And um, 32 and one quarter inch arms is obviously the biggest number probably coming away from him for the combine. Which was what it was supposed to be, right? He hadn't, he'd been yeah. measured somewhere before, and that was the number. That so they, they hadn't shrunk. With. Right. They hadn't shrunk. And that puts him right on par with, I believe, Braden Smith for, you know, capable of playing tackle in today's NFL. So I think that's where he stays, and I think that's where he's getting evaluated. I will say that, you know, when you just sort of – when they just put the camera on him, right? Here's Skaronsky doing a drill. He does just look like a guard. <laughs> just, from a, just from a body makeup composition, he, if you, it, you just saw a picture of this guy yeah. and said, where does he play in the NFL? You'd be like, he's a guard. He, he plays guard. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you would gravitate to. I would say guard before I said tackle. Now, doesn't mean he can't play outside and tackle, but just from that immediate, like, abstract snapshot, you definitely, <clears throat> you definitely got guard vibes out of him. That's no, I mean that's why he's <coughs> obviously getting said or getting rumored, not rumored, just like that it exists because that is a like at guard he could be special is the right. kind of uh, phrasing. Which I think is probably a reasonable conversation um, after you know the, the Quentin Nelson sort of thing. Like we were kind of making the same point of why not try him a tackle because it's mm-hmm. a more valuable thing. But if if the difference is you will be amazing at guard and okay at tackle, like Zach Martin as well. Zach Martin can obviously play right tackle in the NFL. He's yes. done it. Like he's had to kick out and play there. He is a capable starting tackle in the NFL, but he's the best guard in the league over the last decade. So which is more valuable to you? Even if the tackle is a more valuable position, the difference in your capacity to do it is significant and probably does change that math. Someone do that math for me. I don't want to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> a job for uh, analytics departments, yeah. ba- both in teams and at PFF, uh, and therefore not our job. Exactly. Um, the other guy I thought really helped himself was Bla- uh, Blake Freeland, the offensive tackle from BYU, whose numbers were just nuts. Yeah. The dude ran under five flat for the, the 40, whatever. 37-inch vertical jump at that size is ridiculous. <laughs> How are you... How are you able to get over 300 pounds that far in the air? I don't know. It was a record. That's madness. Um, 10-foot broad jump. Like, just, again, like, looked athletic during all the, uh, the workouts and drills and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he – it shows on tape, right? It, he was perfect for BYU, their wide zone stuff. His ability to move at that size was always, like, eye-opening. But 302 is a – so he's 6'8", not 6'7". 302 is a bad weight. That's a bad weight at six eight. That is a, that's body habitus wise. Like that's, that's a tight end. You know, <laughs> like that's that's a little bit bigger than Darnell Washington. So um, he still needs to get a lot lot stronger to play in the league. But the the traits are there to develop. That's for damn sure. Um, what about losers? Um, well, just a touch more on the winners. I thought okay. all the other top guys: Broderick Jones, Anton Harrison, um, Darnell Wright. Every you know. 
Paris Johnson um, and Dewan Jones, anything they did, I thought they were winner. You know, they, they solidified their stock wholesale. But I do think on the other end, losers, some interior guys really stuck out. John Michael Schmitz, and now center is probably the least athletically driven position in the NFL. Um, what they do at the combine, like his numbers are fine by NFL standards, but he's listed at 320, comes into the senior bowl 308, and now 301 at the combine. And those are different. 301 is a different center than 320, um, vastly. Mm. So that's probably the biggest where it's just like, hmm, he's actually smaller than like Luke Whipler, who's being called the smaller center in this draft class. So that one's one where I, I uh, am a little, I guess, just worried about how his play strength will translate to the NFL. And then Osiris Torrance, um, he's not going to test well as a bigger guard, 6'5", 330. But you'd like him to be a little more explosive than he probably was if you're really going to draft that guy in the first round. You know, one eight four ten split, 23.5-inch vertical are just – those are bad numbers. Those are bad numbers. I will say that anybody that didn't outrun me in the 40 is automatically a loser. Yeah. I don't care how much extra weight you're carrying. Mm, if DeJuan's, I outpaced you. Dewan Jones is two of you, so. He's more than two of me. More than two of you. Isn't he 370-something? He's 374. That's, that's so. more than two of me. Like, and he was, what is, he was 5'3", 8", was that right? Yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's more than two of me and over 40 yards, admittedly, in this kind of outfit. He's like right on my shoulder <laughs> over 40 yards. That's terrifying. Like, you uh, might be able to stay out of his grasp, but if he catches you, you're dead. Imagine getting tracked down. Like, that's a um, something, you know, like a game you play. Is you have to just outrun DeJuan Jones. Yeah. You know, he's uh-huh. just, like, like, coming behind you. And, and he's right on your shoulder over that's... 40 yards. It's ridiculous. Uh, like, that's when you're, you know, when you're playing a game like football, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, you are one of the smaller people on this field. But the great news is you outrun the giant people, so it all balances out. If all of a sudden the giant people are faster than you, now it's just like, what are you bringing to the table here? You're, just, you're getting tracked down by the people that are twice your size, and yeah. if there's a collision involved, you are losing bad. Yeah. That's, that's a rough thing when you're looking at these NFL guys. Um, also, the guy that looked like he wrecked his knee during the drills has to be a loser. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Wanya pulled his hand. Wanya Morris, the Oklahoma yeah, Jack, yeah, yeah. pulled his hamstring. Andrew Voorhees, the USC guard. He looked guard. like he... Did, an ACL. did a bad tweak. He, he was. Has crumbled. there been news as to what that actually was? Because that, that I've seen that but... looked like a knee injury, yeah. um, a non-contact down in the change of direction drills thing. It had to be kind of carted, not carted off, but had to be taken off. Um, so that's pretty rough. Hopefully he'll be okay, but mm-hmm. that's not a good thing to happen. Also, by the way, who was the guy that suffered an ankle injury due to what was being termed a pain threshold test? Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I saw that. What the hell was that? I don't know. And then I think he didn't pass though. <laughs> no, well, like. <laughs> either that or he did pass, but but as a result but he's such of it, a hard like, though, that he would I am say. my pain threshold is so high that you've actually been able to wrench my ankle off the leg bone and I didn't flinch. Uh, but it turns yeah. out that's gonna invalidate the rest of my workout because it no longer functions. Um, but then after the fact, like rap sheet was like, actually clarification, the quote unquote pain threshold test was not a pain threshold test was something different Mm. it's like legal on line one would like to strenuously point out that this was not a result of that yeah not what it was being termed we did not pull on this guy's ankle till he hurt himself yeah that's essentially what legal would like to clarify but uh yeah that doesn't seem great that's uh that's called that's a faller (laughs) you know you 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 wrench your ankle just uh in a normal run-the-mill medical test that's that's falling down draft boards well it's definitely that that's one side of it I've also I've got some questions about that and medical test. test. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Like the, the kind of medical yeah. exam 
that ends up injuring a giant 300-plus pound offensive lineman, that that doesn't feel okay to me. Yeah, we need more info. Right. There needs to be more info, and ideally not coming from a guy who's just giving whatever info was given to him. Um, one, the, uh, one NFL research tweet that was thrown out that I forgot to mention during the Anthony Richardson thing that we need to put out. Uh, Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson at the combine. 444. Faster than CeeDee Lamb. Oh, these tweets. Six foot four and a half is taller than George Kittle. 244 pounds is heavier than Hassan Reddick. Ten and a half inch hands are bigger than DeAndre Hopkins. 40.5 vertical is higher than Devontae Adams. And a 10 foot nine broad jump is longer than OBJ. Mm. Those are all pretty freakish athletes. So you're saying he's a wide receiver. I'm saying he's like a super freak. No, I mean, yeah, he, he really is. And that's... That's the interesting conversation that you got to weigh in this draft class is just what do you do with that? Like what, what he's the weirdest wide receiver prospect I can remember because there's quarterback prospect, exact quarterback prospect, excuse me, because I keep got the wide, the testing numbers in my mind, but just because there's the athletic gifts are so unique. Oh, came off unique, so prodigious. Oh, and, and just as a runner, he, he's like I said, the tight end thing. If you just switch to tight end, you'd be a first rounder. Like that guy's, uh, you don't see athletes like him every day. But as a passer, I mean, if he couldn't run, he would not be playing quarterback right now. You know, yeah. If he ran a 4-8 instead of a 4-4, he would have already switched to a different position. So I kind of wrote in my notes, you know, like we are talking Cam Newton, all-time super freak. It might be time to reevaluate. And then I said, on the other hand, Matt Jones, you know. So yeah. Matt Jones was a super freak. way back in the day. Technically, a quarterback at Arkansas ended up being an NFL tight end wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But Mac Jones or Matt Jones had some all-time freaky measurements. Yeah. Um, now, it wasn't necessarily as uh, across the board, but we're talking a 4.38 at, what was he, 242 pounds? Mm-hmm. Um, a vertical of 39.5, so not quite the 40.5, but, you know, right there. 123-inch broad, what does, that, what does that translate to? 10-3. Ten, 10-3. Ten three. Ten three. So 1.53, 10-yard. That's the guy that, like, his knock was the get-off, and that was a 1.53. Uh, like, Matt, Matt Jones put up some pretty all-time numbers and yet was garbage as an NFL I, quarterback. I went back, actually, this was a couple of months ago. I don't even know what it was, and watched Matt Jones' like, actual quarterback yeah. tape. He was one of the worst passers. Like he threw, yeah, yeah, yeah. he threw like someone who just you know like who's not a quarterback just picks up a ball and throws. Right you now, kind of just, <laughs> which is probably not far from what worse. happened. Like we yeah. have this all-time super freak athlete that's just play him at quarterback because that's where he's going to have the he's biggest. He's going to touch the ball the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, look, I'm not saying Anthony Richardson is Matt Jones. No, I'm just saying that those those all-time freaks have existed before, and if you are bad enough as a quarterback. You still aren't going to play well. Yeah, so it's, it'll be very fun to watch. I, I will say, though, after this combine, maybe my biggest takeaway, I just I really like this quarterback class. I, I really do think those four guys, I think there's all kind of there, – all be, there will all be starters that won't look like shit Zach Wills. You know, like there's – they all have very much NFL translatable ability that would surprise me that if they really stunk it up in the league. And we finally got the uh, we finally got the numbers, the measurements on uh, Bryce Young. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, we didn't even talk that. Oh, no. Yeah. Let's talk to Bryce Young a little bit. So, what were our official numbers? We got five ten, five, ten and, and, an eighth. A, and an eighth. 
204 pounds. 204 pounds. Mm. Uh, so same height as Kyler Murray. Yes. There you, and only three pounds three lighter pounds than lighter. Kyler Murray. But um, those are, I mean, Murray's was gassed up. Young's is gassed up more. Oh, yeah. We're being real. Then we got, then we got a hand size, which was nine and a half, nine and five eighths. Like a big, big mm-hmm. hands yes, for a yes, guy yes. that size. So similar to like a Russell Wilson who's got ten, over 10 inch hands. Yeah, yeah. Like so, where that's... Good. You know, that good hand size. He can control the ball. You, you see that on tape. He right. has some nice ball handling stuff. And having seen him both, you know, this far away on a podium and standing next to all these quarterbacks during the drills mm-hmm. when he was doing nothing, I don't believe 204 pounds for a second. I don't even think he's in the vicinity of 204 pounds. Yeah. I don't know what he did to get to 204 pounds on a scale, but he's not <laughs> in the ballpark of that. Like, what did C.J. Stroud weigh in at? Oh, I actually don't remember. Like two, I didn't even like check because it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Because it's two thirteen or whatever yeah. it is. He's standing next to Kyler Murray, or not Kyler Murray, to Bryce Young, and the difference in size between those two dudes is insane. There's just no way. There's only ten pounds or whatever it is between mm-hmm. them. No, I I agree. And you look at him on tape, and he looks like he looks like this receiver class. <laughs> you know, he looks like Josh Downs. He looks like Jordan Addison. It is not much to him. Um, like there's a picture. And there's never going to be too much to him. Like those guys, those guys don't get to 200. There's no a picture NFL, you know? um, after the game of Stetson Bennett and him, you know, doing the whole shake hands, say great game thing mm-hmm. in, the, in the middle of the field. Stetson Bennett is 5'11 and 192 by his combine numbers. And Young is smaller than him. Yeah. And he's smaller than him now. So maybe, you know, 15 pounds of water. I don't know how much you have to drink in order for that to be a milk. thing. I'm telling you, it's but, milk. It's not even close. Like, by the way, Stetson Bennett had another weird, weirdly smooth 40 time. You see his run? Yeah, 4 6. He looked like he was jogging. Yeah. Like he the, didn't want to go too fast. He the didn't want to be. The first 10 was, you know, hustle and then, then just smooth jog for the he, rest he of He didn't it. want people saying Stetson Bennett slot corner <laughs> or, you know, Stetson Bennett switch to safety. He, he didn't want like, that conversation to start. He had he such scared. a sort of smooth jog that they, like Jeremiah or whatever was like, ah, oh, he was just cruising that. The next time will be faster. And he's like, no, the second one's just cruising as well. I don't know if he was deliberately, yeah, torpedoing his own 40 time or if he's just that smooth a runner. Well, you remember Zach Robinson said he deliberately did not go all out in the 40 because he didn't want that to be. Right. He didn't, didn't want, want the, athletic, the athletic dual threat dual, quarterback yeah. thing. He didn't want that, yeah. which is interesting. So maybe Stetson Bennett didn't want that. But I do want to go back to Bryce Young for a bit. Yeah. So the size, it, it does matter. I'm not going to sit here and say that being short is just wave it away at the quarterback position. There are things that, you know, same hit that an Anthony Richardson takes, he's far, far more likely to get an injury. You know, the injury risk is real. Um, the aspects that to scheme around with, like, him setting super deep in the pocket – him not being able to do a lot of quick game, that's all very real. But I just go back to he's been 5'10", 180 since, you know, high, high school. Right. Since Mat- Matter Day. He had the number one and number two ranked team in the country his junior and senior years at Matter Day. He was a five-star number one quarterback recruit coming out of high school. Like, he was insane in high school. Goes to Alabama, wins the Heisman's first year, insane at Alabama. And the play style that he has in terms of just he movement skills-wise, you know, I'm actually sad that he didn't just come in what he was going to play at and do the three-cone and short shuttle because you cannot touch this guy on tape. He is the best escapability. I think he's even more difficult to corral in the open field, just one-on-one, than even like a Kyler Murray. It's close, but, like, but he's right in that realm of just 
that high level of elusiveness. And then I have not seen anyone enter the realm of Patrick Mahomes' ability in terms of just being able to process kind of trash when you're outside the pocket, when it's just like, yeah, it's not routes anymore. It's just freestyling. His ability to see those plays and anticipate materialize where and it's going to end up. Yeah. It is no one's had that. No one's had that anytime, anytime in the last five years. That's, that's a huge thing. It's not just like his ability to see it is, is amazing, but yeah. also his ability to, to calculate where the bodies mm-hmm. are going to wind up, which is why part of why Mahomes can make those plays that like Brett Favre couldn't, you know? Yeah. Brett Favre has one of the greatest arms the NFL has ever seen. And yet like his almost his biggest Achilles heel was making all these Mahomes throws that lead you into trouble. Like yeah. the throw back across your body thing that you're not <laughs> supposed to do because yeah. it causes problems. Mahomes, for some reason, is able to calculate where those bodies are going to end up and find the one that actually works as opposed to the one that's going to hang there for long enough for a linebacker or a safety or a corner mm-hmm. to cut across it from somewhere stupid. It, Bryce Young has a lot of that about him. Yeah, it, it truly is. The processing speed, the ability with which he just like goes through things as quickly as he does. And one of my favorite aspects to his game is that he will avoid pressure and stick with concepts. Like he'll like, he basically in the pocket just moves towards space. Like if you watch him in the pocket, he's never set. You know, he doesn't play like Tom Brady where he just gets to his drop back and then he's there. He's always kind of moving towards space to give himself maximum maneuverability because he knows he's short. Like yeah. it's NFL kind of, you know, the injury thing, there's not really a big difference between light and big at the quarterback position because it alters your play style. When you're bigger, you take more hits by design or you're willing to take more hits when you're light like young you're avoiding them at all costs and so his play style is such that he's always just trying to find space and he's moving up in pockets moving outside of pockets always working the concept still as he's doing it which is something that i can't say for any of the other guys in this draft class the way he does it yeah i mean i keep i keep coming back recircling every time we do we every time we talk quarterbacks is you know there's a lot to like about each one of them you can talk yourself into various whatever but the gap in tape between Bryce Young and any of the rest is so huge. He's by far and away the best tape of any of these guys. Yeah. And then it's just how much do you care about what is essentially unprecedented size. Yeah. And you're right. There's no real correlation between size and injury rate and all that kind of stuff. It's a play style thing. But sooner or later, there's going to be a play exactly like Tua where mm-hmm. a Christian Wilkins just gets a hold of your jersey one hand and simply tosses you into the ground like you're a child it happens and there's nothing you can do about it and it and you you're going to bounce off the turf differently when you're 185 versus josh allen you know what i mean he needs one of those i was just seeing it one of those like fall suits you know for people working on he needs one of those for his body where it's like you're accelerating too fast yeah yeah all of a sudden automatically inflates it it inflates and he just gets into a bubble. motorcycle riders the moto gp guys okay, have those yeah, yeah. in a, in a like a, those leather suits that they have when they hit the turf those things automatically explode and and inflate like a, like an airbag uh, and you see them after they've crashed they're like walk yeah, to the side so- because the michelin man the, yeah the thing is like inflated and they can't get da- get the thing down or it can happen when that happens and then they have to try and get back up on the bike with the suit that's like yeah. trapping them in a in a shell um more breaking news uh mike garofolo says the saints are closing in on a deal with Derek carr Ooh, that, that's the most logical landing spot. Well, they were trying to trade for him when it was actually going to cost them things. So presumably they the would desperation have been the team yeah. Yeah, most keen on taking Derek Carr. Yeah, and the Jets just, they should set their sights higher. Set your sights higher. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah. Like so the Saints, to me, were the most logical team because they're the only team, I think, where Derek Carr would have been plan A. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that might want Derek Carr, mm -hmm. but as, you know, after the thing they really wanted didn't materialize. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to want to go after Aaron Rodgers or you're going to want to go after the QB in the draft. And if you can't get those, then sure, Derek Carr would upgrade what we have. But you nobody wants that as plan A, except yeah. the Saints, who yeah. are like, we got Andy Dalton and this division's right there for winning. Derek Carr comes in, we're immediately back in the playoffs. That's the thing. It's your, in the AFC East, you have to go beat the Bills and you have to go beat the Dolphins. Um, does Derek Carr make you better than either of those two? That's debatable. Yes. I don't know if it does. It's right. like you're, you're very much so no. Does Derek Carr make the Saints better than the Falcons, Panthers, and Bucks right now? Yeah, hell yeah, he does. So I, I do think that's why you're seeing. That's why I think it's the best landing spot for him. So I got a fantastic update for the, uh, what's his name? Andrew Voorhees? Yeah. Uh, USC Garden. This is amazing. So, okay. Is feared to have suffered a torn ACL. So that's stock down. Okay. But... Check, check this out. According to Tom Pelissero, somehow, for he still did the bench press this morning. The dude went out there with a suspected torn ACL, which means a torn ACL. That just means they haven't MRI'd it yet. You, but you know you when you've torn an ACL. And pumped out 38 reps. Oh! With a torn ACL. Big boy. That somebody signed this guy now. Forget the draft. Just put in the card. That was the most of anyone in attendance. That's Miles insane. The second most, 34. That's great. That's one of the I most mean, ridiculous sucks, thing, like combine stories I've ever heard. Ah, that sucks for him because he's, I mean, he's already a sixth year. I thought a solid guard prospect. I don't think anything special, but I think he's a guy who could start day one and you're not upset about it. Yeah. But now it's like, damn, you're 25 years old the next time you're seeing the football right. field. With a, yeah, with a red with, shirt injury yeah. season behind you. But that's the kind of, like, it sounds stupid, right? But that bench press thing is the kind of thing that, Somebody will go to bat for that guy to keep him on a roster, you know what I mean? To keep him around, to give him a chance. That's the like that is the kind of thing that NFL teams will go to bat for. Yeah, like he. Yeah, I think at the very minimum he's going to get a shot somewhere to make a team to stick around to show that he can be a guy, mm -hmm. even if obviously outside of that everything is bad. Toward torn ACL, given that that career profile is is rough. This is an Andrew Voorhees fan podcast now. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board of that. Look at the chat. Dude, Charlie Rogers, somebody tell Sam you don't need your legs to do the bench press. I don't think that's really the point. Like, the dude has a torn ACL yeah. and then went out there and benched 225 38 times. I don't even care if he needed it. Like, the fact that he did that, whilst everybody else would be, like, in a hospital bed with their leg up waiting for the MRI, you know, to, to determine that they were done... That's, you know, that's the point, yeah. not yeah. The, the fact that you needed the knee. We, we're not confusing the bench press with squats. So don't, Correct. Don't, yes. don't get it twisted. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, geez, a, hell of a hell of a week for that guy. Um, all right. We're, we're out. I think we're done now. That's our Monday Combine Review podcast. I'm thinking, Michael, you're back tomorrow. Is that right? Yes, I'm back tomorrow. Steve's going to be back on Wednesday. I'm thinking tomorrow it's mock draft time. Oh, how do we want to mock? Do we want to... So the, the um, stock exchange mm -hmm. used the PFF mock draft sim. Mock draft sim. I'm thinking, 
I'm thinking we, we might do that. In. We might steal that and just do one line. And we alternate picks, or we we could do that combo GM where the war room we have to agree on a pick. Or I, why don't we ask the people for what okay. they want? I'm, yeah. I, I'm good Let either us way. Know which could, one sounds more intriguing right. to you guys? We could alternate picks, or we could collectively be the general manager slash the war room for each individual team. Uh, let us know what you want to do. Fire it in the comments of the YouTube. Fire it to our email, nflpodcast at pff.com. And we will do whatever the majority of people would like us to do. Majority rule. That's it. That's it. So thank you very much, Michael. Thank you all for listening, for viewing on YouTube. It's been a blast. We'll be back tomorrow. And Steve will be back on Wednesday. Take it easy.